This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of Business by the Numbers. I'm your host, Hunt Demarest, CPA with Parmelis and Associates. Cash is king. It's a saying that's often heard but rarely understood. And this week, I want to go over some common mistakes that I see clients making with their cash. Before we get into that, I want to have a quick word from our partners who make business by the numbers possible. Let's face it, your shop management system is the most critical tool in your shop. Napatrax will move your shop into the SMS fast lane with on-site training, six days a week support, and local representation. Visit them online at napatrax.com. That's N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S.com. So I guess this is a relevant topic now because a lot of my clients are having to write some checks here in the next couple of weeks, right? It's tax season, everyone's favorite season, and everyone's favorite time to give our lovely government a nice donation. Now, as we talked about before, this shouldn't be a surprise. This should be done as planning. No one ever says that it's going to suck any less to write that check and send it in there. But you know what's just a lot worse? Having that tax liability and not having the cash to actually pay this. Everyone loves to talk about your sales and profit, but profit and sales don't pay your tax bill. Cash does. I'm going to be using cash and I've used cash already a couple of times. I need to be clear here that it's 2023. So when I talk about cash, I'm not actually talking about green dollars in the sense. Now, yes, green dollars are cash, but I'm using cash to talk about cash, checking account, savings account, any sort of kind of liquid funds that you have. So mistake number one, and probably the most common mistake is draining your business of cash. I always tell people this. It's easier said than done, but there's a lot of ways that you can be coached, you can be trained, and you can tweak your business to make more money and make more profit. Now, what a lot of you might found out and a lot of people know is helping someone make more money is one thing, right? And still not the easiest thing in the world to do, but having someone maintain their cash and be more diligent with their finances is something completely different, right? We've talked about this before, where there's a lot of people that are very good and very diligent about their business finances, but their personal life is something drastically different, right? Business is stable, business is good, but the personal life is really hard because it's putting a big strain on the business. And being self-employed is tricky because if you don't have that financial discipline, your personal life can drastically affect the financial health of your business And honestly, a lot of businesses that I've seen that have gone into financial despair, majority of those were actually not caused by the business itself, but actually the officer's pool on the business that in turn affected the operating business itself, right? And so why is this different for people that are listening here, right? Most of my listeners, I'm guessing, are shop owners. And probably if you're not a shop owner and you listen to this, you're self-employed. So the people that have a W-2 job, right, meaning that you're an employee somewhere, you can't pull an unlimited amount of money out of the business, right? So that's why we hear these classic examples of budgeting your money, making sure that you don't spend more than you make. Because if you go to your boss and say, hey, you're paying me $80,000 right now, but I need to have a different lifestyle, so I'm going to need 140000 you know it's never going to happen and you never have that conversation, right? Another thing is if you have a W-2 job, you're not going to go to your boss and say, hey, you know what? I need you or the business to borrow money so that I can use that for some stuff personally. 
Again, nothing you would never ask, nothing that you would ever expect someone to do. However, if you're self-employed and specifically an S corporation here, you're an employee and an owner of a business. But whether you're a partnership, corporation, C-Corp, S-Corp, you still have ultimate flexibility because you are the business. The business is you, right? You own a business, you work at the business, and if you want to do something, your word goes. Now, in that situation, not only is it very hard to estimate what the cash flows of the business is, is, hey, if there is money in the business bank account, no one is stopping you from taking that out right? Hey, no one is coming and saying, hey, knucklehead, don't take that money out of the business because in three months, we might be short and we might need to put that money back in, right? You own your business 100%. So no one's going and saying, hey, why are you taking all of that money that you got on the EIDL loan and going and spending that personally? That's for the business, not supposed to come out of the business. And you know what? Can't even afford to come out of the business. Now, a lot of times I see people and I, I hear people talking about, well, hey, this is what I need, right? They're confusing what they need and what they want and also what they need versus what the business can support on this. And without financial reserves, you can really put your business in a really tough spot pretty quickly because you start making decisions based on cash flow, not proper business decisions, right? And I see this time and time again. What happens when people have low months or cash gets tight? People start discounting jobs. You know what? We're already behind on this month. I need to be able to get this parts bill paid for last month or that sales tax bill paid. So start discounting jobs, try, trying to get people to say yes. And what ends up happening? You end up having a sales month that's probably down compared to what you're averaging. And then you get hit with a double whammy. Not only were the sales down, your gross profit on those sales were down as well. So you made less money on less sales and just compounded your cash flow issue. Right. Because instead of thinking of the long term of, you know what, I need to make the proper, the proper profit on the proper jobs in order for this to work, you start changing and reinventing the wheel here. And that generally does not go well. Another thing that happens is, you know, some of these one time expenses pop up and you don't end up having the cash to do this. Right. And a lot of people have probably made this mistake, especially when they first started in business here of sales tax. Sales tax for people that have cash flow issues or people that are just kind of starting out on, on the idea of being self-employed are often the ones that fall into this trap. The tricky part about sales tax is sales tax is due once a month, right? But generally, most states are about 20 days into the following month. So if you collect $5,000 in the month of February, three weeks after February ends, the state's going to want their money there. Now, the tricky part is, is a lot of people aren't diligent with their money to be able to say, hey, I collected this $5,000. I need to actually set this aside or earmark this so it doesn't get spent so that I have the cash to pay the sales tax in a couple of weeks when it comes due. Now, what happens if money is tight? Vendors are yelling at you. Obviously, employees have to get paid. And maybe you're also pulling too much money out of the business personally as well. What happens that following month when you get to, you know, March 20th? And you say, man, I don't have five grand in my account. I don't even have two grand in my account. How am I going to pay that sales tax? You know what? I'll get them next month. I'm not going to pay it, right? Maybe you even get a little bit more creative here and say, you know, I actually need some of that sales tax money. So I'm going to start playing games with my sales tax returns. Now, anyone here that has got into trouble with sales tax might be chuckling a little bit. Maybe not chuckling. Chuckling is probably a bad comparison here. But everyone gets extremely nervous about the IRS. 
The IRS is not something that makes me lose any sleep, right? First and foremost, you've got to make sure that you protect yourself and don't do anything that, you know, could put you in a cross as the IRS. But also the IRS just doesn't really get that vicious unless in very, very extreme situations, right? They're usually willing to work with you because they know, hey, if they push too hard, they put you out of business, you're not going to be able to ever repay them. Sales tax, on the other hand, is the exact opposite. Right. Think about it from the perspective of the county, city, state, you know, depending on where you are, it depends on what municipality is collecting the sales tax. But a lot of these places get extremely mean, extremely fast, because from the sales tax per people's perspective, you're in business for one reason, to collect sales tax from customers and to turn around and pay it to us. If we think that you are not collecting sales tax from customers, then there's no reason for you to be in business as far as we're concerned. And even more so, if you are collecting sales tax from your customers and you're not then giving it to us, then there's really no reason that you should be in business. Sales tax people are the ones that show up with guns. Sales tax are the ones that will show up and throw a chain on your door. Sales tax people will come in there. They will levy your bank accounts. They will freeze all of your assets and still they are paid and even will put you into jail, right? I have not had a single client go to jail for income taxes. Never had a single client go to jail for payroll taxes. I have had clients arrested. I've had spouses arrested for failure to file or failure to pay sales tax. A bit of a scare tactic here, a bit of kind of, a, I think, a segue away from what we were talking about here of cash. But I just have to be clear here. I don't mess around with sales tax. I don't mess around with overtime. Two biggest things that are very easy to kind of get in the you know bad graces of, of the government here. And two things where if they catch you, they're going to come down on you and they're going to come down on you hard. So be very careful about that. And also it's stressful, right? You don't want to have to build that up and say, hey, you know what? Now I have this backpack of $100,000 of sales tax, you know, trying to pay it down. You don't want to owe the state, the county, the city money, right? They're the worst bank to borrow money from. And the rates stink and they're not very nice about it either. Another thing here, when we are, you know, having to make decisions based on cash flow, and I guess some of this goes back to the sales tax as well, too. When you're in that spot where you're like, I need cash and I need cash now, right? Hey, I can't go to the bank, not because it's maybe you do even qualify for kind of a more conventional cash infusion loan, but banks take a while. Right. If you need cash within the next couple of weeks, going to a bank is just not going to cut it. You know, at least 30 days out, generally probably 45 or 60 days. However, there is alternatives, not great alternatives, but there is alternatives. Right. And this is where people get stuck into this loop of high interest, short term financing. Most common one and, and one that I do recommend, but you got to be very careful with this is if you have an immediate cash crunch, right, where you say, Hunt, I don't want to hear judgment. I don't care, you know, about what really happened. I just need to get some cash to be able to get through this and get through the next couple months and, and make sure I stay solvent, right? Either I go out of business or I get some cash in this business right now. The easiest thing to do is to get a 0% credit card. Ideally, it's a business credit card, so it doesn't hit your personal credit, but you can technically use a personal credit card for business and still treat it like business expenses. And what you can do is if you're in a cash a cash crunch situation, and not that I condone this, not that I advise this, I hope that none of you ever have to use this advice, but if you are in a cash crunch situation, almost everyone now takes credit cards. 
So the easiest way to kind of get some reserves or kind of get your cash in a better position is to put this on a 0% credit card. Let's face it, your shop management system is the single most important tool in your shop, period. You need Napa Tracks because it integrates with all the major players, including Napa ProLink, PartsTech, OE RepairLink, Epicor, TireConnect, Mitchell One Pro Demand, and more. Napa Tracks has leading edge tools and technology that your shop needs right now. Unlike the other guys, we'll be there after your installation with the best training and support in the business. Your training includes a learning management system that is tailored to each role in your company. Simply put, Trax was designed and built for shop owners just like you. It all starts when a local representative meets with you to learn about your business to help optimize your shop's workflow, efficiency, and profitability. For over 30 years, Napa Trax has made selecting the right shop management system easy by offering the best, most comprehensive SMS in the industry. After all, it's your shop, so it's your choice. Visit us on the web at napatrax.com. That's N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S dot com. So why a 0% credit card? 0% credit card, and they're out there. I, you know, free advertising here, but check out creditcards.com. It's the easiest way to compare credit cards. And this is not just for business, this is personal as well. Hey, you like to travel a lot? Look at the travel credit cards. They rate them, tell them what the current offers is, annual fees, stuff like that. Really, really slick. They also can show you what has, you know, 0% introductory rates. Hey, which ones have 0% balance transfer rates and stuff like that. But what you can do is if you can find something with six months, 0% financing or even 12 months, 0% financing, that can buy you a little bit of time here, right? Because you can essentially rack up that credit card up into whatever the limit is. And you're not going to pay any interest on that for six, nine, 12 months, whatever you agree to. But you have to be very careful here. Right. Because what happens with zero percent credit cards or really any sort of zero percent financing is you have zero percent. But for that time period. And let me explain how this works. So let's say that you go out there and you rack up fifty thousand dollars on a zero percent credit card. So fifty thousand dollars on a zero percent credit card and you have 12 months. If you pay it off within 12 months, you are only going to have to pay them back fifty thousand dollars. No more, no less. Give us $50,000 and we get away with it. But why do banks give out 0%, right? When a loan is 6, 7, 8% right now and credit cards are 24%, why the heck would they ever let you borrow 0%? They let you borrow 0% because they're banking on this and they've learned in the past that people usually get themselves into trouble here, right? Because what ends up happening is you start racking up that credit card. Oh, I'll have more money. I'll have more money. I'll have more money. But you don't actually change the underlying issue that puts you into cash flow situation at first. So what happens at the end of that 12-month period? You haven't made a dent in that $50,000. So not only does it start charging you interest going forward, all of that interest for that entire 12-month period that you were not paying, they were keeping track of. And magically, 12 months in one day, if you go and try to pay that back, you're not paying back $50,000 you're probably paying more like $55,000, $60,000 because all that interest comes back to hit you. Now, again, see when I talk about this revolving loop, this is where people really get into trouble is because now we were trying to get a cash flow situation better. Now we've compounded a problem. Now we have $60,000 on a credit card charging us 24% interest. So the amount's going up every single month. Monthly payment is huge. That's a cash flow hit on it. 
And if we still don't have the reserves in the business, we're not financially any better off. I see a lot of this stuff with the advance me's and short-term credit card advances, right? We all know the game. Hey, we come out, we give you money next day on it. We take out a percentage of that every single day out of your credit card deposits. Now on these, generally the interest rates aren't as hateful as credit cards, right? They're not going to be good, but they're in the low double digits, 12, 13%. Isn't good, but if you can get the funds tomorrow, not too bad. Now, the reason why people get in trouble with these is, again, they don't change the underlying issue of why they got into a cash crunch situation. So they're not doing anything to actually change the outcome. And even if they are, the repayment for this debt is so fast that it's virtually impossible for businesses to be able to support this when they're getting 10% of their credit card deposits taken every single day, plus interest. It's very hard for them to be able to say, hey, I'm going to be able to chip away at this short-term loan while at the same time building up my reserves as well. So again, these always get paid back because they don't give you a choice. They just take it out of your credit card deposits. But I see people get on this cycle three, four different times where they have to go back and get another one because they get to the end of this eight-month period for this credit card advance and they don't have any more cash. So they have no choice but to turn around and borrow it again, right? So biggest thing here is why does this happen, right? And what can we do to change it? So just like we talked about, the biggest reason why this happens is because people don't understand the difference between what they need to pull out and what the business can actually justify. Sometimes those are the same number. A lot of times they are two different ones, right? The whole idea of how I need this. Is it a need or is it a want? Don't get those confused. Another thing is, is a lot of people have this mindset where they say, hey, I'm going to take out whatever, 15% of my sales, you know, as a profit distribution every single month. Now, the tricky thing about the automotive industry is you have good months followed by bad months. And a lot of times there's not a whole lot of rhyme or reason to that. So what ends up happening here is on the good months, people are ripping the cash out of the business. The bad months, they maybe are taking out a lower amount, or if it's a loss, they might not even be taking any money out of the business. But they're definitely probably not putting that back into the business. So you're stripping out all the money on the good months. You're not putting any money back in on the bad months, or maybe even when you're losing money. And then you're surprised when you get to the end of the year and have made a profit and have no cash to show for it or no sort of reserves. So enough of chastising people about common issues of draining the business of cash. What do I recommend to clients that have issues with this, right? How do I advise them to be more diligent with their cash? So first and foremost, on the sales tax side of thing, this is one that I preach all the time. If you have issues with sales tax, here's what you need to do. So if you really have cash flow issues and you want to go at like elementary level or preschool level stuff every single day, Take a look at your end of day report and look at how much sales tax you collected for that day. Have another bank account that you don't use for anything else or a savings account that maybe you're not using either. Every single day, figure out however much you have in sales tax, transfer that from your operating account to that savings account. Daily, I think, is overkill. Most of my clients that do this do the same thing, but on a weekly basis. What are we doing here? We're getting it out of your eyesight. We're getting it out of your discretion and saying, hey, If it's in a sales tax account, we're not touching it. This is for sales tax and sales tax alone. And if you think about it that way, that, hey, this is something that cannot be pulled out of here unless it's for sales tax, then you're never going to get into a sales tax issue again. 
because sales tax is not your money. It's only when it's intermingled with all of the other funds that people kind of get confused here and start spending someone else's money, right? So get it out of that operating account, split it somewhere else. On the distribution side of it, the biggest thing here is to not take out the amount that you want every single month. It's actually the exact opposite. Take out the absolute bare minimum that you need to to cover your personal financial system, right? Take the absolute bare minimum out that you need to be able to pay your mortgage, utilities, kids' school, car payments, whatever it needs to. Now, if you're already making enough money on payroll and you don't need to take any more money out in distributions, then I probably wouldn't. Leave it in the business. It's not hurting anything for right now. If this is already too much, right? If you're looking at this and saying, "Hun, I am already taking the bare minimum out of my business to support my personal lifestyle and that's not enough to cover it, then this is where we go back to. You need to take a hard look at your personal lifestyle and see if there's ways that you can cut it, right? If there is no way, if you say, "Hun, this is exactly how I want to live, then you need to figure out how to make your business more profitable so that it can support that. So now that we're not taking very much money out on a monthly basis or a weekly basis on, you know, an automated basis here, or maybe even none at all, then how are we getting some of this excess money out of the business? So what I tell people is, like I said, take little amounts out, the bare minimum that you need. And then a couple of times throughout the year is when you're going to be taking your larger amounts out, right? Either on a quarterly, semi-annual basis. A lot of my clients do this on a quarterly basis because it matches up when they have to pay their estimated tax payments. And the way that you figure out how much you can or need to take out at that point is you set up a minimum standard in your bank account, right? You take a look at your cash, checking, savings in your business and come up with your new zero, right? If you have zero dollars, you're really broke, but we're going to shift that mindset and we're going to say, hey, if I have $100,000 in my bank account, my business then I have no money. That is the bare minimum. I don't want to go underneath that. Want to make sure that you have enough money in the business that it can stay healthy, that you shouldn't have to think about injecting money back into the business. Now, how do you figure out what that amount is? Personal preference, risk tolerance, all of those into go into consideration. The general idea is three to months operating expenses. So if you look at what your you know fixed expenses are, or your total expenses line in QuickBooks, that is your monthly fixed expenses. Now, multiply times three on the low side, multiple times six on the high side. Depending on how big your shop is, sometimes that six time becomes ridiculous. And then on the flip side, sometimes that three times is just not enough. It's going to be different for your business depending on a lot of things. How much is your overhead? How volatile is your months? Right. If you have a month where you haven't lost money in five years, right? It's like clockwork, hundred grand every single month, 15 grand a profit, then you can probably get away with having less cash in your business. Now, I would probably have to argue that the people that have less cash in their business are probably not the ones that have consistent monthly cash flow. It's usually the exact opposite. But theoretically, you could run a business with a very little bank account balance because if you're making profit and putting money into that every single month, it only should grow and grow and grow. Now, what I would probably say to people too is, what is your mindset here, right? You can run on the lower side of this, but know that there could be a time where you might have to put some money back into the business. If some of my clients are a little bit more cautious and they say, no, I want to guarantee that my business is going to be healthy. I'm not going to have to put much cash into this business or anything here. 
then put you know a higher or maybe that six months target would be good there. Big thing here is is what is going to make you comfortable, right? What is going to be something where you say, hey, this is enough money where if we have a down month, if we have a down week, if we have a large expense come up, we're going to be able to weather the storm and we're not going to go into instant panic mode. Now, the funny part is when you know I see clients kind of take this to heart and start working with this, it's really funny to see their mindset, right? Because they're used to having 10 grand in a bank account so when they have $20,000, now they feel like that they're rich. And as they kind of, you know, see the light of having cash and having these reserves on it, now they got a hundred grand in their account. And now they're complaining that they have to go down to 90,000. This is less than I would like to have, right? It's all relative, but there's not a whole lot of times that I would say, Hey, you have actually too much cash, but mistake number two is actually keeping too much cash in a business. Now, I will be upfront about this one. This is a problem, but this is a champagne problem to have, right? What do you mean, Hunt? How can you have too much cash? Once you have this desired amount, whether it's $100,000 or $200,000 that you want to keep in your business at any given point, the math on this is fairly simple. You know, let's say we're looking at this in June. I have 300 in my business bank accounts. I know I want to keep 200 in there. First and foremost, I'm looking to say, all right, I have $100,000 of excess. Is there anything immediate that is going to dictate, you know, the use of cash? You know what there is. I want to buy that new tire machine. It's 20 grand. I don't want to finance that. So I no longer have a hundred of reserves. I have $80,000 worth of reserves. But essentially, if you have no other things that you need to worry about, then sweep that money out, right? Take it out. You will have a good amount, but you have made sure your business was healthy first. And then you took the distributions out to make sure that you didn't get into a bad position. One of the biggest things that makes me nervous about people having too much cash in a business is a lot of people look at that, like we were talking about before, as a security blanket. Man, I have all this cash in a business. I'm never going to have to worry about anything, which is true from one aspect, right? You got 800 grand in your business bank accounts right now. Probably no reason that you logically should be able to burn through all of that, right? Even if you burn through half of that, you probably shut the doors before you lost all of it. However, the one thing that people do not realize is how that that money has virtually zero protection. So you set your business up as an LLC or a corporation because you wanted to be personally protected from lawsuits, personally protected from any sort of liabilities that could come up, which is exactly what it does. You know what it does not protect? business assets, right? Business assets are owned by the LLC, owned by the corporation. So if you get sued, yes, they cannot take your house, but they can take your tire machine, they could take your alignment rack, they can take your building, and they can take any cash that your business has. So you have that $800,000 sitting in your business bank account. One of your technicians forgets to put the lug nuts on all the way on a car, drives out the door, something terrible happens, you get sued. They could take that 800000 That's not yours. That's not personally protected. That's the businesses and the businesses just lost a lawsuit, right? So from a liability perspective, I do not like to keep too much money in the business. And if you're an S-corp, a sole proprietor, a partnership, there's really no reason from a tax standpoint to even leave that money in the business, right? If it's in the business, you've already paid tax on it, right? We're sitting here in tax season. So if you had $300,000 in your business bank account at the end of last year, and it was your money, not borrowed money, you don't have you know loans against that, you can take that money out and do what you want. It is not going to affect your taxes anyway. 
But hon, if I take this money out of the business, aren't I going to be taxed on it? No, this is a common misconception, and I probably need to do an episode on draws and distributions here. What I always tell people is you pay tax on income, not whatever you do with that income once it gets turned into cash. So think about it this way. If you have a business and the profit and loss says you made $100,000, that is what you're going to pay tax on. If you leave all of that money in your S corporation, you're still going to pay tax on $100,000. If you take that $100,000 out in profit in a form of distribution, you're not going to get taxed again. You're going to still pay tax on $100,000. So tax is calculated by net income, not by cash flow. All right. So keep that in the back of your mind. So Hunt, if I'm taking this money out of the business, where should I put this? You know, I don't want to put it in my personal account because I'm afraid I'm going to spend it. Right. So when I say take the money out of the business, I'm not saying take it out and go and spend it. Now, if you've, you know, set your business up correctly and you have the personal finances to do so, then yeah, that's your prerogative. You can go for it, do what you want to do. But a lot of times I have people that, you know, have this mental mindset of, personal versus business. Like I always say, personal is a mess. Business is very, very good because they're super diligent on it. And they say, "Hun, I just don't trust myself. If I take this money out, I'm going to look at this. My wife is going to look at it. My kids are going to look at it and say, hey, what do you mean you can't go to Disneyland? You got 150 grand in your checking account. Of course we can. So what some of my clients do is they set up kind of like an intermediary account. It's still a personal bank account because we need it out of the business like we we're talking about for liability reasons. But they set this one up at another bank account. And essentially what they do is they say, all right, got biz money in my business, excess reserves I'm going to take to this middle account that's at XYZ Bank. I don't do any of my other banking there, but I'm going to use this as kind of to hold my reserves. What that does is checks all the boxes, right? Gets it out of the business bank account, but then doesn't put it directly into your personal funds where it could be commingled or could be spent and you don't want it to be spent. Now, obviously, if you need money, you can pull money out of that holding account, transfer it into your personal bank account, or even if you want to spend it directly out of there. But if you have that mindset, if you've always kind of been concerned about stripping this money out that you're going to spend it, you know, that's a pretty good idea. And if you have at least a thousand bucks in there, you could be able to go out and find a bank that is going to do this without any sort of account fees or anything like that. Biggest thing here is, again, this is going to be a personal bank account, not a business, right? because we want to make sure that it is not anything that we need to be worried about for lawsuits, judgments, stuff like that. So those are the two big ones, right? Of, you know, having too little cash and, you know, so shockingly actually keeping too much cash in your business. But two big things, uh, you know, mistakes I wanted to quickly go down through because they're important. One of them is very pertinent for right now. And another one is probably the most common mistake that I see people doing when they, you know, are trying to hopefully get financially healthier. So mistake number three is keeping cash in accounts without interest. And honestly, this is something that we did not talk about until about two years ago. So keeping cash in accounts without interest. And if you're like me, you still think of a savings account as something that's going to pay you 0.1% interest, right? I always just like was confused by the aspect of, well, why do we even really care about a savings account versus a checking account? A checking account's paying me 0% interest. My savings account's paying me 0.1% interest. Am I really transferring this to this other account just to make $2 this year? I mean, this seems insanity. But the only good thing to come out of this record high inflation and record high interest rates that we're seeing right now is, yeah, it's a lot more expensive to borrow money, but we're actually getting some decent interest on saving our money. 
So if I have money sitting in a checking account or even a savings account right now, I am actually losing money because inflation is going up. It's still going up right now. And like we talked about before, if inflation, what that means is if I have $100 today, that can buy me something for $100. However, if that sits in a checking account that gets me no interest, I'm going to have $100 12 months from now. If inflation is at 6%, that means that same thing I could buy today for 100 bucks is now going to cost me 106 in 12 months. So you can see that you're not actually losing money in the absolute sense. You still have the same exact amount. You're losing money in the relative sense that everything else is getting more expensive, but your money is not appreciating in a checking account. So what do we do to offset that? is we look at something that is going to be, you know, often referred to as a cash management account. Obviously, you can go out there, you can invest in a market, you can invest in ETFs, mutual funds, bonds, whatever you want to, but all of those have risk. You know, the higher the reward, the higher the risk. Now, I think it's always good to have a balanced portfolio. You should have stuff that is pretty liquid, very risk averse. You should have some investments that are a little bit riskier to hopefully get you some better returns but you don't want to kind of put all of your eggs in one basket. And when we're talking about cash, biggest thing is to make sure that we're staying liquid. And if we're staying liquid, that means that we can't afford to lose money. So we're looking for some alternatives that are easy, get us some decent money, but don't have the downside that something like the market would. Two best options right now are a money market fund and a CD account or a money market account and a CD account. Uh, CD stands for Certificate of Deposit. Difference between a money mark and a CD, right, is how long we have to keep that money in there and how they calculate interest rates. So I'll give you today's rates. They're probably going to change depending on when you listen to this episode. But right now, a money market account is paying about three and a half to four and a half percent, depending on what bank you're at. Think about a money market virtually exactly like a savings account. It's you put money in there, you're allowed to take money in and out, but I think you can only do usually like six withdrawals from a money market a month, just like a savings account. You can't use it like a checking account. You can use it sporadically, but don't try and run 50 transactions out of this. And then what a money market does is it pays you this interest rate at a variable rate. So if it's at three and a half percent this month, I'm going to get paid that. If it goes up to four and a half next month, I'm going to get that. If it goes down, et cetera, et cetera. So keeping up with it, going to pay us pretty decent interest here, right? Three and a half, four and a half percent. If you have that idle money and it's just sitting there and it's not doing anything in your checking account, a money market might even give you enough money to cover the interest that the idle money is charging you here. Right. So either you can use it to invest your operating capital or even use it to kind of invest some of the offset from some of the loans that you have there. Money market is nice because we're getting interest and it's not locked in. We can take that out at any time for any given reason. I really advocate a lot of people. I, I haven't heard a good argument of why you'd even have a savings account if you can have a money market account. Now, most banks offer a money market account. If you're with a really, really small bank, they might not do this. Um, but there's a ton of options out there for online-only accounts for money market. Hey, why do you care about a physical bank? You could go to something like Ally or one of these bigger banks online. It's all electronic transfers. It's a couple of clicks. Why do you care if it's down the street or in the clouds? I mean, it's a little bit weird to think about where that money is actually going. But it's a commodity, right? Money market CD... All I care about is rate and terms. If the rates are, you know, one rate's better than the other, they're not going to handle my money any differently. I'm going to go with the one with the higher rate. 
So difference between a money market and the CD is interest rate and terms. So a CD is going to pay you a higher interest rate in most situations. The downside is, is a CD is going to be locked in for a certain amount of time, right? Generally, the most common ones are three months, six months, 12 months. There's probably some other intervals on there, but that's generally what you see there. So what a three-month CD is, is the bank will say, hey, Hunt, we'll give you a three-month CD that's going to pay you an annual percentage rate of 5%. What that means is they will give me 5% on my money if I can guarantee that I'm going to keep it in there for 90 days. At the end of the 90 days, I get paid my interest and I can either take that money out or buy another CD and reinvest that back in there. Now, what happens if you're 45 days or even 60 days into the 90 days and you need to take that money out? Depending on what kind of CD you have, best case scenario, you take your money out and you just get paid no interest, right? They just say, hey, take your money back, take your principal, we're not giving you any interest. A lot of times what the CDs do is they actually penalize you. Hey, you can take it out. Not only are we not going to give you any interest, you've actually caused some interest on it. Same thing with it's six months, nine months, 12 months, and stuff like that. Now, the plus side is, is it locks in the rate. So if you get a CD right now that's 6%, that means that you're going to get 6% as long as you let it run to length, right? Versus a money market that's going to fluctuate. So the big thing here is I would have money market would be my first option, right? Because it's going to be a lower interest rate, but it's going to be a little bit less liquid. Now, if you have more money than you need to put in a money market, right? If you're saying, "Hun, I got 200 grand. I want to keep a hundred, a little bit liquid. So I'll keep that in the money market. But this other hundred grand, I really should never really need this in the short term. Maybe I'll lock that up into a six month CD to get me a little bit better interest. But the biggest thing in here is you got to look at the difference. If it's only slightly different, I'm probably still going to stick with the money market because my liquidity is a lot more important than 0.1 or 0.2% difference between the two. So big thing here is checking account. You obviously got to have it because it's the amount of transactions. No reason to keep more than you need in a checking account. And really, like I said, no reason to probably even be using a savings account if you can have a money market as alternative. Still be able to put our money aside, still have access to it, but actually getting some interest here. So last mistake on here is paying down debt too quickly. Everyone wants to be debt-free, but sometimes the biggest risk to becoming debt-free is getting back into debt. And what I mean by that is this. A lot of times, especially when people have not made money over the years, they start making money, they start getting cash. And their biggest thing is what Dave Ramsey's always taught them is bank is the devil, debt is the devil. You got to get it all paid off and you got to get it paid off now. So what ends up happening is they're taking all this excess money that they don't need because they've been able to support their lifestyle on a lower income and they're throwing this at debt, which in one aspect I love, right? Hey, you don't want to retire with debt or especially debt if you don't have cash flow on it. And in you know two extremes, being saddled with a ton of debt of having no debt, I would agree that having no debt is better. But if you don't build up your reserves first and have a good cash position, then you're paying down debt aggressive, 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 and then things get slower, things pull back, or we have something like COVID, you have paid down a lot of your debt, but you're no financially better off. And so when these one-time expenses or slowdown happens, then what do you need to do? You need to go back into the well, you need to get back into more debt. And what ends up happening is you're actually no better off, paid down $50,000 worth of debt, 
Didn't have any reserves. Unexpected expense came up. Cash flow got tight. Had to go right back out, run up the credit card back up to 50 grand, right? And then people feel like, why I'm in the same position I was 12 months ago, even though six months ago, I was on a really good path. If you want to pay down debt, here is the way that I recommend doing it. First and foremost, if you have a cash crunch situation or if you're not completely comfortable with cash reserves, don't even think about paying down debt in an aggressive fashion. First and foremost, you're going to get those reserves up to where you want them to be, right? Like we were talking about before, what is your new zero? It shouldn't be zero. Is it 50? Is it 100 grand? Is it 200 grand in your business to make sure that you have enough money to be solvent and have that safety net? Now that you've met that reserves, now that you have that reserve in there, I'm going to give you carte blanche. Go for it. Pay down whatever debt you want. Business is healthy. You got enough reserves in there. Now is the time to start chipping away at debt. Now, I want to do an episode on, on how to attack debt here, but the long and short of it is don't make this emotional, right? Don't say, oh, I want to get rid of them. Look at it at interest rates. Look at it at return on investment. Hey, I'm going to attack the thing with the highest interest rates first. And a lot of people want to talk about buying, paying off their personal house. It's honestly probably the last thing that I'm going to do, not even for liability stuff, you know, and of, of having that leverage and how that could actually benefit you. More just from the aspect, that's probably the cheapest debt that you have. If you have a 3% mortgage, there is never going to be something that's going to financially justify paying that off early, right? If you pay off a mortgage early, you're getting a 3% return on investment. Money market is going to give you 4%, right? And you still have the cash. There's no justifiable reason to pay down debt that is that cheap. Right. Start with the credit cards, start with lines of credits, and then you start working your way down to the lower interest rate debt. But like I said, episode for another week, we can talk all about debt, how to pay it down, how to, you know, get a plan together and how to start kind of attacking this stuff. To wrap all this stuff up, if you can get a good handle on your business and the cash in your business, not only will your business life become less stressful, your personal life will become less stressful as well, or hopefully it will be. And you'll be stronger because of it, financially and probably mentally as well. When COVID hit, a lot of my clients were extremely nervous, as a lot of America was. However, there were a lot of my clients that weren't sounding the alarm bells. No, it wasn't my clients that have massive shops or sky-high sales or even super-high profits. It was my clients that were smart with their cash. If you're sitting on 12 months of cash reserves, you know that you'll be able to weather the storm and get to the other side, right? When you have something like that happen, you only need to worry about surviving and getting to the other side to be able to make it out. On the other hand, my clients that had sky high profits, but lived their business, you know, on a paycheck to paycheck or month to month, got extremely scared extremely fast because profit can dry up at an instant. Cash is our safety net and we need to remember that and we need to make sure that we protect that at all costs. So as always, please share this with friends. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes, please shoot me an email at podcast at parmelis.com. Thanks again for listening on the Aftermarket Radio Network. You can find all shows on aftermarketradionetwork.com and on your favorite podcast listening app. So thanks again for joining me on Business by the Numbers. Stay safe out there, and I will talk to you all next week. You've been listening to Business by the Numbers with Hunt Demarest on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Hunt on your favorite podcast listening app. Let him know what you'd like him to cover. His email is in the show notes. Hunt is all for advancing the aftermarket.